I want to preach a message uh, that I again I I I hope and I feel like that I, I preach timely message and this morning is a is a message I I hope that you feel like is very timely to where we are at right now uh, right here in our lives and as Americans as West Virginians Virginians uh, that. This is a relevant time of where we're at in the age that we're in. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to the book of John. It's a very familiar story you're going to find there. It's going to be a story that you've read, and and if you've not read it, you, you've probably heard. If you've been to church any at all, you've heard this preach, uh, or you've actually heard text taken from this passage of Scripture, and many messages probably preached from John chapter 11. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of it, but on your time when you're at home, uh, not while you're driving, but when you're home or somewhere stationary, pulled off the road, sitting down here at Lynn's eating a hot dog or something, read John chapter 11 in its entirety. So if you would join me there. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister, Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. I want you to, I want you to consider that. When you're standing in Jerusalem, you can look out across the hills and you can see Bethany with your bare eye, okay? It's, it's not like, even by foot, it's not an extremely long journey in the rough terrain of the vicinity or the area of Jerusalem. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, I want you to notice what she called Jesus. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've entitled with a question. What was Jesus thinking? What was Jesus thinking? I want to start off with a, and, and tell you a little, uh, it's an amusing story that I read about three older fellas. And, uh, you know, I'm getting to where I can relate to older fellas sometime now. There were three older fellas that persistently denied their loss of hearing. Can anybody of you guys in here say amen? Can any of you wives say in here say amen about your husbands? You know. Three older fellas that persistently denied their loss of hearing. One day, they went out to play golf. They were golfing pals. One said, it's windy, ain't it? No, said the second one, it's thirsty. The third man chimed in. He said, so am I. Let's go get us a Coca-Cola. You see, sometimes what we think we hear is not absolutely what we're hearing. 
Sometimes what we think God is saying to us may not be exactly what God is saying to us. Have you ever spoke to someone, and this this is wild that, I, I, I'll be frank with you, I had this message prepared like for last Sunday morning. But, but don't you think this is wild? Those of you that knew my dad, my dad could not hear, my dad always had selective hearing, okay? He, his, he was hard of hearing, it's a family trait, but he also had selective hearing. He was in a rehab center these last few weeks, and in that rehab center, we, uh, we, we got to go see him two times. Thank the Lord for those two occasions we got to go see him. The last time that my son and I went to visit him, we're standing outside in a glass corridor. He's inside in the hallway and he, he couldn't hear us very well on the first visit. So the second visit, we carry a dry erase board with us and a marker and, and, and a handkerchief with us. And, and I tell my son, Zach, I said, Zach, write this, write this for him and hold it up. And we'd hold right down, said, Dad, we've started the tractors, we've started the trucks and all like that. And he would read it and he'd say, yeah, boy, thank y'all for taking care of the truck, taking care of the tractor and all like that. But then we wrote something on there that he didn't want to read. And it was like he took on selective blindness. And we're doing this in front of him, you know. We're doing this. And he's looking at, if you do this, he does this. If you do this, he does this. You know, he, he refused to look at it because he, he didn't want to see or he didn't want to hear what was being said to him. I'm, I'm somewhat confident that, that each of us has experienced one episode in, in our walk of faith when we felt as though God was hearing impaired. Sometimes we feel, sometimes we feel or we have felt as though that God really didn't hear us. That He has turned a deaf ear to who we are or what we have to say to Him. Sometimes we feel maybe as though our petitions or our requests or our needs are maybe they're too insignificant for, for God to pay attention to them. Maybe He really doesn't care that much about those little things in my life. Maybe He's more focused on the big things. Many times it's been said that God always answers prayer, but sometimes His answer is no. And while that may very be true, and I know I'm guilty of saying that myself, the reality of it is God does say no to us from time to time. Or perhaps His answer is just simply different than what we expected or wanted. Sometimes His answer to me, A.K., is not what I want to hear. You know, Sometimes my, I ask my wife a question and she doesn't tell me what I want to hear, but I go on and do it anyway and I'm willing to suffer the consequences because I'm so lovable she's not going to stay mad at me too long. But sometimes God says His answer are not the things that we want to hear. It's not the things that we expect. Perhaps... Or perhaps it's the circumstance of, of the delay that, that God just doesn't respond to me quick enough. 
we're we're in the instant society. You know, uh, we probably come to realize that more during this past year with the pandemic than ever before. Man alive, we went to Chick-fil-A in Princeton yesterday. We sent the order in on the cell phone about the time that we was going behind Kroger's there on 460. And we pulled in Princeton at Chick-fil-A. We clicked the button that we were parked in parking lot number three for Dale Earnhardt. And we parked in parking lot, parking place number three. And we hadn't been there even five minutes. And here come this nice young lady out with our hot fries and hot chicken. But she didn't get the honey mustard, so we had to send her back. But it was instant. It's quick. It happens. It happens quickly. We are an instant society. He'll kill me if he watches this video and he does watch my preaching. And Big Jim, if you're watching this, I, I love you, my friend, but it's still a funny story. You know, I belong to the, I'm the chaplain for the, the Harley owners group of, of the, uh, one of Charlie Cole's stores, the one in Withfields where we meet at. And we cover all of Southwest Virginia and part of Southern West Virginia. And there's, there's a bunch of Harley owners, about some, about 30 of us that's uh, in this group. And, and we, we, uh, we give to different organizations and different things. And we do some fundraising for not a lot of it, but we're doing a little bit during the winter months so we can have more time to ride our motorcycles during the summer. Does that make sense? Well, this guy, he said he loves to cook and he's retired. He said, I want to fix food every summer. Sunday, uh, every Saturday and have it at the Harley shop. He said, make us a little money. He said, so we said, okay, that sounds good. So he, one week he, he made, uh, he made soup and sandwiches and, and one week he, uh, Lord, I forgot what he fixed one week, maybe in chili beans, a uh, pinto beans, one week in cornbread. But, but last week, last weekend, he come in with this big old chrome pot. And this big old chrome pot, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I admit I'm hung sometimes. I'm hung up in the seventies and eighties, you know. And, and, and I'm thinking, well, that's just a really new crock pot. And he, he looks at me, he says, hey preacher, he said, I got sixty wieners in that pot. He said, you wouldn't have thought it would hold that many, would you? I said, well, I, I really hadn't thought about it, but I guess that's pretty amazing if you say so. Well, that pot wasn't a crock pot. That pot was called something called an Instapot. Never heard of it before myself. I didn't know what it was. My 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 wife is much more much more uh, advanced and much more modernistic than me. She tells me that it's sort of like a new generation of of the pressure cooker. Now, the old pressure cookers had that little thing that vibrated on the top, and I was scared to death to go in the kitchen when my mama be canning because she always told me not to be around that thing. It could blow up. So Big Jim put 60 weenies down in that Instapot. He had them stuffed long ways like this down in that Instapot. They were crowded in there. And, and that thing went off. That thing, the buzzer went off. They were done. And when he popped the seal on that lid, there was weenies blew everywhere. It was quick. It was fast. It was instant. But there was a lot of pressure built up. You see, we, we want everything done fast. We want everything done in a hurry. Sometimes God doesn't necessarily work that way. Sometimes His answer is different than what we prefer to get. 
But I want you to know that Jehovah, when Jehovah just doesn't respond in our specific time, that then we sometimes get upset. We think, well, God has gone stealthy on us. We can't even see Him. That's the reason I prayed the prayer I prayed this morning. When, you know, those of you that have been through through the dark valley of death, and most of you have, sometimes you feel like God is a long ways away. And I just needed to know He was around this morning. And, and sometimes we think He's covert. He's working off the grid, so to speak. Sometimes we think, God, where are you? He's He's forsaken us. We forget about that word when He says, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. And under the circumstance behind Lazarus' death, Jesus' response to the beckoning of Mary was slow. So what was Jesus thinking? What was Jesus up to? Here's the thing. We first need to consider what wasn't wrong. Now, now Mary's beginning to think, you know, Mary and Martha, where is Jesus at? They were smart ladies. They knew that it was just a short distance from Jerusalem to Bethany and, and any anybody should have made been able to made that trip in a half a day maybe even less and, and what what so what's going on what is wrong why did they, they it's obvious when we read this scripture when she went to she said if you had been here knowing that he could have been there if you would have been here my brother our brother your friend would not have died But here's what wasn't wrong with Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha did not lack a devotion for Jesus. They had a reputation for loving Jesus. They had a reputation of ministering to Jesus. You see, sometimes we as believers, we think of Jesus as always ministering to us. But when we look at the at Martha and Mary, Martha and Mary, the role was reversed towards our thinking, modern day thinking. Their role was ministering to Jesus. Now certainly they had the anticipation and expectation. They knew that Jesus could meet their need. But these two women had a reputation of loving Jesus. They had a devotion to Jesus. The second thing that they did not, that wasn't wrong, is that Mary and Martha didn't lack desire. They had a desire to see their brother healed. They wanted that. They that's why they sent for Jesus. That's why when, when when that's why when Jesus showed up, Martha said to him, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." But the, and they didn't lack faith. They didn't lack faith. They knew that Jesus was the answer, not a answer, but the answer. So what was Jesus thinking? The truth about it is, we really don't know for sure, but we can spiritually speculate on a few things. You see, first thing I want us to to be mindful of is that Jesus looks through a much wider lens than we look through. You know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, if you ever, if you ever, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you guys that hunt, I don't know if you had the same struggle that I had. I, it was always hard for me to find something through a scope. 
I never, I, ne- I never did very well finding something through a scope. It's easier for me to take binoculars or even look with, 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 my, with my natural eyesight and see something and then try to get it in the scope. It was always hard for me to find something with the scope because the field of vision is narrowed down. Even though it's magnified many times, it's a very, very small focal point. You see, sometimes, sometimes we need to realize that God looks through a wide view lens. He looks at the, at a much bigger picture than we do. They were looking for their brother Lazarus to be healed. That was their, that was what they were thinking about. That's what they were focusing on. You and I, we focus on Jesus meeting the circumstances that we are praying about. That is our focus. If it's somebody that needs to be healed, we're praying Jesus heal so and so. If we're praying for something, something miraculous to be done in our finances, Jesus fix so and so. Uh, You know what? I remember one time uh, I got laid off for a while uh, of a really good job. I went back. I ended up working that job a total of 21 years. But I got laid off for a while and I had the sorriest job in the world. It was delivering sheetrock for Lowe's Building Supply Company. And back then they didn't have lift trucks. You had to carry it all by hand. And I want to tell you, when you're five foot four and the guy in front of you is six foot tall, carrying the sheetrock is not too much fun. Two boards at a time, mind you. You couldn't break it down. I hated that job. I despised that job. Why, God, did you take my good job from me and give me this horrible job? I didn't understand. I thought it was because my my focus of attention, my focal point was on me and, and my job. And God, I need you to give me a better job. I need you to give me an easier job. I need you to do this and I need you to do that. But little did I know that behind the scenes, God was using me as a Christian witness in the circumstance that I was in. It didn't, it lasted for about a year, something like that. It was all it lasted, 12 or 14 months, I think, maybe at the most. And, 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 and but, and I didn't like it. It was uncomfortable. I was saying, God, get me out of it. Get me out of it. Get me out of it every day while I drove to work. That was my prayer. But God has a wider lens than we have. He was not only, He was not looking at just my moment, but He was looking at the entire circumstance. You see, this was a glory moment that was about to occur in the life of not only Lazarus, but in his family, his household, and all the people that were around him. Because this was the instance, this was the instant when the incarnate purpose of Christ is about to be revealed. Jesus had done a lot of things up to this point, but Jesus had not raised a corpse that had been in the grave more than three days, and according to Jewish tradition, that had the, the soul does not leave the body for three days. But now there's a separation. You see, under 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 Judaism, the the the, the soul had to be called back into the body, and the body gets called forth. And this had not happened yet to point. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus displayed the. Promise, if you would, of the resurrection. While Mary and Martha were more interested 
in their brother being healed. You see, the things that serve as fleshly disappointments are often divine appointments for God's glory to break out in our lives. The things that we fret over and we wonder where's God at? Is He lost control? Is, is, is He not concerned? They, they, they oftentimes, and I can't explain them to, don't come, don't come and ask me if I can explain your circumstance because I can't. But the one thing I can tell you is we must trust God in every circumstance. We, listen, we live our lives. We, we live our lives in faith and we call on God in faith. We look for our needs, but Jesus is seeking for the Father to be glorified. That's the difference here. So which is the greater witness in this story? Is it the greater, would it be the greater witness for a sick man to be healed if Jesus had got there the first day? Or was it a greater witness for a man that's been in the grave four days? By now he stinks, Jesus. You realize that, don't you? By now, decomposition has set in. We done wrapped him in grave clothes and, and throwed some spices on him to keep down the odor, Jesus. You realize that, don't you? And Jesus, we know that shortest verse in the scripture, Jesus wept. And people speculated why Jesus wept. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he wept because of their unbelief. I really can't answer that. But but I think it is a good possibility. It maybe he wept because his friend had died. I doubt that because Jesus know he already knew he was the resurrection. But Jesus went there not just to heal his friend, but Jesus gets there in time to raise him from the dead after he would had been in the grave and he had de- decomposed. Jesus, Jesus was the resurrection in that moment. So then, what we see happen is, we see an establishment of the doctrine and the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, a revelation, the doctrine and revelation, revelation in particular, is what one believes and perceives. Remember when Jesus, when, when he asked Peter, he said, but who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and bone has not revealed this to you, Peter, but it's been revealed by my spirit. He, and at that time he was Simon. He said, I'm changing your name today. He said, from now on, you're Peter, Petra, the rock. He said, because you have, you have received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. When Jesus came on the scene, he could have healed Lazarus. He didn't even have to come from Jerusalem to Bethany. He could have spoke a word and Lazarus been healed in that instant. He, Jesus, Jesus waited. He purposely made this trip back four days late, as we say, and he came there with the purpose of proving and illustrating that he was the resurrection. He was the truth and he is the life as it says in verse 25. So that leaves us with the possibility that if for no one else, just Martha, but I believe it went further than that. If for nobody else, Martha and Mary, I believe it went further than that. But for no one else than the people gathered in that little town of Bethany that day, that they would know that Jesus was the resurrection. They would identify with that. 
They would understand that. They would know that. And, and, and understanding your situation and my situation, when, when he doesn't show up like we want him to, when we want him to, how we want him to, with the answer that we're expecting, listen, we must remember that Jesus is looking at a, at a, at a much broader scope of vision than you and I could ever, ever, ever muster up. And He knows what's going on in our lives. And, and, and He does want to minister to us. He does minister to us. He does keep us. But understand this. The purpose of Jesus Christ is that His Father may be glorified. And let Him be glorified through us and our situation and our circumstance. May he, God be glorified in everything that occurs and happens in our lives. So we see the expansion of the kingdom begin to occur. Following, if you go down and you read verse 45, verse 45 said, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in Him. You see, Jesus is resurrecting Lazarus. It spawned a gathering of people. It, it, it pulled more followers to Jesus. You know something? If, if God so chose, He could bless us it, it, with the same intention He had with Adam and Eve in the beginning. They didn't have to. They didn't have to labor. There was no work for Adam and Eve. There was no worry. They had no aches. They had no pain. They didn't have any arthritis. They didn't have any, they didn't have any gout. They didn't have any diabetes. They had no heart issues. They had, they had none of those things. That, that's what God intended for us. But because mankind failed through that man, through Adam and Eve, that we know that sin came into the world. But, but, but in all of that, God wants us to be blessed. Don't misunderstand me. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be glorified. But listen, He could bless us where we would, how many of y'all ever watched that old show Laugh In. Any of y'all watch that? Any of y'all remember that old show Laugh In? I know you young people don't. And old Tiny Tim, the long-haired hippie guy that played the ukulele. Who tiptoe through the tulips with me. Now, Tiny Tim. Listen, listen, everything is not going to tiptoe through the tulips for us. But what we must understand is this, that in, in, in our trials and in our afflictions, in our desperations, in our moments of hardship, in, in, our, in, our, in, the, in, the, in those valleys that we walk through, in, in those rugged, rocky terrains that we must journey across when the wheels are falling off the wagon and the, and the horses are dying in front of the wagon, when the TV's breaking down, and the car is blown up and, and the roof is leaking on the house and everything is going right wrong in your life. Listen to me. It's when God comes up in our lives and His faithfulness in us shows forth and we remain committed to Him and our love for Him remains consistent for Him. That's when He is glorified. That's when Jesus is lifted up and when people can see us and they know you've been through the fire. You've been 
through the flood. You've been through the lion's den. You've been through the car breakdown. You've been through the TV blowing up. You've been through cancer. You've been through death. And all that you can go through, you're still hanging on to your faith in Jesus Christ. That is a testimony of who Jesus is. And that will draw people unto Him. I got a call the other night. We, we were, uh, well, it was the other day. We were getting ready to, we were lining up. We were in the funeral home Friday. We were getting ready to do the funeral procession for my dad. My sister called it his last ride. My dad loved to ride around. And about the time that we got ready to leave, my phone rang and it was a local number. And because it was a local number, I went ahead and took the call. And as I answered the call, the call said, we just want to let you know that your car's warranty is about to expire. Have y'all ever got that, y'all ever got that call? You know, that per, I don't know, I don't know who that guy is, but he really must thank a lot of me. He calls me almost every day. And then somebody else there got a call too. I don't know if it's the same guy or not, but they had the same, we want to let you know your car warranty is about to expire. So I said this. I said, I just want y'all to know we're getting ready to leave in this funeral procession. It's not too far out the road there to the cemetery. But if any of y'all broke down and your car warranty is expired, you're on your own. You see, but when God works in our life, we allow Him to manifest in our situation and we keep our faith. It was Job said, Job said in the midst of the ridicule of his friends, in the midst of, of all that was happening to Job, it was him that looked up to God and he said, you can slay me, but I'm still going to praise you. You know, that said something about Job's faith. That said something about Job's witness. And when everything is going wrong and everything is messed up in our lives and everything is horrible in our lives, it's in those moments that we can look up to God and can, and can still say, Lord, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to bless your name. It's in those moments that God is most glorified. Jesus was no longer Jesus the healer, but now he is identified as the resurrection. When we read, and I'm not going to read this, but I want you to read Psalms 22. Psalms 2-2. I want you to read it sometime. It's a song that David penned in all of his anguish. But it, but it is a reaction to God moving in his life. Even though God did not move in the way that Job wanted to. Or excuse me, David wanted to. Even though David did not escape all, all the reality, if you would, of life. Nothing like that happened. But but it's a song, it's a, it's a reaction that David had because of God's goodness. You see, in Psalms 22, we find that, that David exhorts us to be patient. He exhorts us to be patient and people that are remembering. Remembering God's eternal wisdom is superior to ours. You see, sometimes we forget that God knows more than we do. Sometimes you, you, you may forget that God knows more than your older sibling knows. 
And that's a whole lot most of the time. God knows more than your wife knows. God knows more than your husband knows. You see, sometimes sometimes we forget that. And when you study out this Psalm 22, you find that God also, it's also established that God's timetable is not ours. Lord, we want you to do it and do it now. Lord, we want you to hurry up and do it yesterday. And then he, we find that David, David gives us instruction there, if you would, in that Psalms 22, to trust the Lord. You see, trust is synonymous to our faith. A few years ago, uh, I never was a big fan of him. Uh, funny I mentioned number three there this morning. You know, I don't, I don't follow NASCAR very close at all anymore, but I was a, a huge Dale Earnhardt fan. And, when Dale Earnhardt, the NASCAR driver, got killed, which I think has been 20 years ago now, is that right? Something like that. This I never cared for this singer, but he sang at Dale Earnhardt's funeral, and I really liked it. But this guy's name is Garth Brooks. Still not a Garth Brooks fan, but every once in a while he had some songs that had some lyrics that you could really relate to. Garth Brooks had a hit song that, and in this hit song it was about a guy that after many, many years he went back to his hometown. And when he goes back to his hometown, he, he bumps into his high school sweetheart. Y'all remember your high school sweetheart? That one that you really thought you were in love with. And she broke your heart or he broke your heart and you didn't eat for two or three days and you had made ink, you had wrote his name or her name all over the back of your hand in ink and all this stuff. And, and, you know, if it's like with me, you wrote her name on your Converse tennis shoes. You know, we had, we did have Chuck Taylors in my day. He, and he goes back home and he meets and he sees this once high school sweetheart. And when he sees her, he's really thankful that his prayers didn't get answered. Because she didn't turn out like he thought she would. You see, he moved on. He met and married Someone else and had been married a long, long time. And in the story of this song, here's the lyrics. He says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, that just because he doesn't answer, doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Now that's a secular song. That, 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 you know, that, Garth Brooks sung that song. I mean, if you like Garth Brooks, it's okay. You know, I just not, never, never was one that's my, my favorite at all. But, but, but think about that. Sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Wow. 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 See, I'm glad that do an afternoon service so I don't have to quit at 12. 
So what was Jesus thinking? What was Jesus thinking? I want to tell you this. It's nothing wrong with going ahead and asking God. There's nothing wrong with asking Well, what are you up to, Lord? He may not tell you. But there's nothing wrong. It's not that you're questioning His authority or His wisdom. But but we, we do get anxious and we want to know. God is not threatened by our our inquiries, and and despite historical teaching in the book of Job that I mentioned earlier, Job actually asked God why. So whatever's going on in your life right now, and you feel like your prayer is unanswered, or you feel like that, that God has left you on the Isle of Patmos, can't you imagine how John the Revelator felt? He's done been boiled in oil. He's got some crazy woman that wants to kill him. And, and now he's been dropped on nothing but a rocky island that's covered and infested with snakes and poisonous lizards. But it's there that God brought him the revelation. The revelation that you and I can read now. It's in the back of your Bible, the last book. You see, maybe, just maybe, in the circumstance you're in right now, that God has you there. Listen, it's only going to last a season, I promise you. Now, how long is that season? I don't know. But it's only going to last a season. Because there's only one life that will soon be passed. And only those things done for God will last and last. So keep pressing on. What was Jesus thinking? I don't know. Somebody said, I'd like to have been old Lazarus. How would you like to have been Lazarus laid in there and all of a sudden you woke back up and you're all mummified. You're all wrapped up in grave clothes and, and you just hover out of that tomb and, and then you hear, hear Jesus say, somebody unwrap that boy. Let him go. I said, man, I don't know if I like, you see, cause Lazarus had to die twice. But it was all for God's glory. And whatever you're going through, I can't explain it. Whatever's happening in your life, I can't, I can't, I can't figure it out for you. I'll pray with you. I'll, I'll try to help strengthen you. But listen to this. One thing I urge you, I exhort you to do this morning is trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Because even when He shows up four days late, He's still working a good work in you and He will bless you and He will minister not only to you, but He's going to minister through you and He is going to change some lives in Jesus' name. What was Jesus thinking? I don't know for sure. I can't answer that question. I just give it to you. I give the question to you to cause you to think about it just a little bit. What was Jesus thinking? Maybe Jesus thinking about, man, I know I'm going to do some resurrecting here before long. I just need to go ahead. I just need to go ahead on and give them a little taste of it because they might blow their minds if they don't get a little taste of it. You know, ahead of time. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what Jesus was thinking. But I know he was God. I know he was Lord. And I know he was and is ministering in the circumstances of our lives. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening in our lives, Understand this with me. You are not left alone. You are not left alone. You're just maybe being utilized right now as a testimony of His goodness and His grace 
and His mercy. There was today's Mission Sunday, by the way. Uh, first Sunday of the month is always Faith Commitment Sunday. It's and uh, we've got a special treat for you next month. I'll tell you about that before we leave this morning. But I thought about, I can't remember which missionary it was, so I'm not going to call a name because I'm probably going to get it wrong. But it was a missionary that left and went to a a group of, this is many, many, many generations ago, and he left and he went to a group of indigenous people to do missions work. And as he went to do ministry amongst this indigenous tribe of people, they were cannibals, if I remember correctly. Cannibalistic people. Someone said to this man, they said, you may as well go ahead and sign your death sentence. Because when you get there, you're going to die. That missionary said, no. I died a long time ago. I died to my will. I'm giving myself over to the work of the Lord. And he said, if I face death, so be. But I died a long time ago. So let God use you in your circumstance. Let Him minister in your circumstance. And no matter what happens, no matter what you face, give Him glory. Give Him honor. And give Him praise, for He is good. He is good.